Welcome to Views from the Bridge, a Philadelphia Union podcast. This will be our first overwhelmingly positive podcast this season. I am your host for this week, Justin Ashcraft, because Evan Valella is still traveling in the land of Guinness. Joining me tonight are our other faithful cast members, Chuck Booth and Paul Cat Jr. Catrino, and we also have special guest Adam Booth joining us tonight. Gentlemen, what is up? We have a guest! We have a guest! <laughs> Someone wants to come on the podcast. We made it as a podcast once we have a guest. Let's go. This is how you get sponsorship, gentlemen, right here. Okay, uh, no. That's how you build it. I mean, our first podcast after three points has to be our first one with a guest, right? Exactly. Exactly. We got to make this. We got to make this a special occasion. It's just too bad we didn't make t-shirts. Nah. <laughs> oh, I have a cannon really too. Tea before this because I'm still recovering from last night's game, but I'm like, I'm here though. I'm ready for this. It's yeah, for for those who don't know who Adam Booth is, that one guy you hear screaming at the stadium all the time, that's probably him. Yeah, there that, you go. That, that's me blowing out my larynx every uh, 60 minutes or so. Only lasted to the 65th minute yesterday, to be honest with you. I went way too hard. And you I, just started I, doing sign language chants. Oh yeah, no, at that point you just do the chant once and then hope everyone else does it. And you're like, okay, cool. I'll just I'll just direct this like a chorus, it'll be fine. Well, it was also your birthday game, so it makes sense. You you know, at that point you're like, Well please, can you guys do this for me? I mean, I'm tired of doing my own job. It's my birthday. Someone else make loud noises. Thank you. I like it. I like it. Well, lots on the table tonight for grabs as the Union grabbed their first win of the season at home against the Columbus Crew, 3 to nothing. David Akam returns to his DP level with a brace, and El Senio adds a rocket to defeat the surging crew. There were players abroad, there are players injured, and the Union made it work. So let's start there, guys. Any high-level kind of thoughts on this game? It's not breaking down quite yet, but what was your like biggest takeaway this week? If you win a game with... 16 players and only make two subs you deserve every single point it's a true story i uh i i thought this game was going to be extremely wide open due to the fact that neither coach probably had any idea how the other team was going to approach it because i don't think any team knew how they were going to approach it you heard jim after the game jim Curtin saying you know, this wasn't about tactics. This wasn't about uh, approaching it any certain way. It was about 11, or I should say 16 guys coming together and saying, we're going to do everything we can to win this game. And they found a way, but, you know, it really is a glaring credit to the fact that David Akam is back. Like, back. Yeah, that was that was survival. You know, that was a game where you you... It's like you ever play FIFA and you go like really deep into your team season and you're just like, wow, all of my starters are completely gassed. I need to call up people from like my reserves. I need to do an all hands on deck moment. And like, it's funny because we were so used to our backups like McCarthy and uh, and, and McGuire. So like we kind of knew what we had in a backup, but like seeing Carlos out there for the first time, we're all kind of just holding our breath and like, is he going to be okay? Like, is this going to work out for us tonight? <laughs> and you knew Columbus was kind of, was hobbled, you know, they're missing their stars, but like Higuain is still a really good player, so you don't know if he can just, you know, turn on the diamond and score one real quick. So, but to hold them to, to him to get a clean sheet, yeah, that was, I think that was as impressive as anything for me to watch last night. Yeah, and you have to you have to give credit to the back line a little bit, and I think we've given credit to the back line every week on this podcast. But I think I mean they played extremely well. They played the way they played all season, professional, um, you know, all across the board. I think you know we we torched Gaddis in week one for his performance, but man, he has been solid the last two weeks. I think Trusty, um, Trusty and Elliot looked good again last night, and um, you know Wagner. I can't say enough good about Wagner last night, but I think we just saw a back line who was determined to kind of keep Columbus off the board. And then, yeah. And then we, we saw some good performances up front too. So I think, yeah, I thought it was a really, just a really interesting game. Uh, also 
got to give a little credit to um, the shield of the back line because without Warren Craval backing him up, Harris Madunian put in his best defensive shift of the season. Harris Madunian yeah, sure. put in a defensive shift this season. Hey, hey. <laughs> saying best and saying A are just two different ways of saying something. Mine is just more positive. Man, when I saw Ilsenio in that midfield and I looked and said, oh, look, next to Bedoya, this is going to be a little bit of a problem. Because, you know, hobbled or not by call-ups and everything, you've still got guys like Artur that can come at you. You've got guys like Mensa who can push it from the back and really press the issue in that Columbus squad. But uh, Harris did his job. He did his job. He committed early to his runners and just gave enough that he was covering his ass enough for people to get in position and, you know, hold them to very few chances throughout the entire game. Um, uh, it was, it was impressive given the fact that neither team could have truly prepared for what was going to be coming at them. And it's, it's a credit to them. And ah, Ray, Ray Gaddis, man. I knew I knew if we started sending you those awards, you'd get the message. <laughs> and just the transition has been wonderful to watch. Kudos to you. You're so welcome. Um, you can send flowers to eight four zero. No, okay. no. But it's been very, it's been very great. It's been very good. But can you even like? Can, are we now going to silence? the the Keegan Rodsonberry people who are still like they're never being um, silenced. Uh, nope. But we had such greatness at right back already, and well, I'm like, I like money. These people also want us to spend money. <laughs> so I'm like, I also enjoy money, and money's good. And if you think like Greg Gaddis, Greg Gaddis has been playing out of position for like three seasons, and has been doing it halfway decent. And I was just like, oh, let's put him back in his natural position and see if he could like, oh yeah, right, he actually can cover a little bit, you know. As a Keegan, as a Keegan Rosenberry supporter, you're not going to silence me. But Gaddis <laughs> played a good game last night. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. All right, let's talk about. Yeah, let's talk about something in particular. Um, David Akam, man, what a fantastic game! Um, you saw the emotion on the field after his first goal went in the back of the net, and I, I honestly thought that was all soccer emotion of just having. You know, only goal last one goal last season, and just um, having you know the kind of a rough season last year, um, and kind of getting back at it. But turns out, post game interview, he reveals that he lost his dad last week. Um, so I mean, condolences for sure. Um, what a but what a what a gutsy way to play a game. I mean, in the midst of all of that family stuff and and the things that go on when you lose a parent. To be able to come in and, and play the way he did last night, that was ac- actually incredible. Yeah, you, you can't credit the guy enough. I mean, uh, not even it, it's it's tough to get in the mind of someone who's in such a high-pressure situation to have really no experience except for that one sub early on in the season to you need to start this game and you need to win this game. You know, um, I, I know they adjusted their uh, their formation a bit. They tweaked it a bit to kind of fit his style on the wing, but he was still making the majority of his runs through the center as, as like, a streaking center forward. He was picking out his runs between the center backs, and it was encouraging to see because, you know, there have been flashes that this new formation under Tanner is working very well, and if he can adapt to a two-striker system with Fafa or Santos or Burke... It is very promising because that provides you with very good depth up top, which is something that we were definitely not talking about last week going into this game. It's super reassuring. Yeah, these are just one of those moments that are bigger than sports. Um, just all the adversity that David Akam faced last season and then to find out at the end of last season that most of his performance was down to being injured for most of the season, um, combined with also losing his dad and then coming into 
this game where the union are running a skeleton crew and basically being told like, Hey, our forwards have sucked this year. Like do your best. And for him to come up with that performance is just amazing. Well, you know, it's, it, I mean, as a, uh, if anyone's followed MLS for as long as like some of us have, we know it's in his bag. Yeah. You know, like we know, He's capable of being one of the most deadly guys in this league, given a little bit of space, a little bit of room to, to maneuver. And the way the services were coming from Harris, from Fafa, were absolutely incredible. And it's just to think about an individual playing with that much on your mind and to put that kind of a performance in it. And it it's incredible how often you see incredible performances in athletics, you know, not even just soccer, but in, in basketball and football, right after moments of, of deep tragedy, you know. And it's it's it was none of us really knew it. I didn't see it until after post game when I read the comments. But now with that kind of context to see how he kind of put that performance in with that kind of pressure on him and that kind of heart. You know, it, it magnifies it to even a greater level. And if that kickstarts him, like if this is like those two goals right there, the way that he got them and the way he got them were classic David Compassion, working hard, and then, you know, just finding a, a crease. You know, I think he can do wonders for this team moving forward and find some, finally, some stability up top, which is pretty much the biggest issue this team has had for almost years now. Mm. Yeah, I thought a couple a couple things about that. I thought um, the first, especially the second goal, where yeah, I mean he gets a little bit of a lucky bounce, uh, you know, it bounces off the defenders, but ends up right back at his feet. But he's got a guy on his back that he's able to shield off, and then he also is able to look up and pick out the near post uh, on the side of the keeper. And I think that was just that was like that was just an incredible soccer goal. And then you put that on top of put that on top of his family stuff that's happening in the background you just think man like he he had so much to you're right he had so much to play for and i think we do see that a lot in sports where something happens in their families and then they just go and have this incredible game and it's like all they have something to play for they have something to prove they have something they want to show the world and i think that's what we saw out of a com last night man David Akam should scare people if this is it, though. Because I, on paper, you're looking at two strikers who can blaze you with speed in Fafa and David. You have two strikers who are proficient in hold-up play, which allows your midfielders to come in, in Burke and Casper. And then you've got a hybrid striker who can kind of dribble at you like a midfielder, but is still you know speedy enough to get free in Sergio Santos. I mean, Jim, I, I keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it all season with Jim Curtin. He's got a lot of moving pieces that he has to work with here. And it's really, it really is up to him to figure out what works best against these teams. And this is the test of his coaching ability. Because if David comes back and firing, man, now you're talking about a spot where if you're trying to balance out the attack, Fafa needs to sit. And he needs to play with someone in a more hold-up position to get the midfield involved as well. Or you just go at him guns blazing with both speedy guys up top. It's There's a lot to work with here. But it's a, it's a good problem to have if you know how to manage it. And just like last night, the two speedy guys were able to go at that back line and really create a lot of options for themselves. I think the other thing that um, amazed me about Akam is you probably, based on who was on our bench last night, um, you're probably both him and Fafa. You're probably being told like you're gonna go 90 tonight. Like unless you get injured, you're going the whole game. Like, and they went the whole game. <laughs> they went the whole game. So I think no, no, it didn't. So I think that that was pretty. That was pretty incredible. So, kind of moving into to more of the game. What were some of your other thoughts or just specific things that you kind of saw last night? Um, I have a few, but I'll let you guys. I'll let, I'll let you guys share first. So, what were kind of over other overarching views or a little bit deeper dives into last night? I don't even know where to start. Uh, <laughs> well, damn. 
I mean, we can Chuck. We, Chuck, we can start with that left back of yours that you particularly like. I thought he had another. I, uh, he had another decent game. At this point, like, is there anything left for me to say though? Like, his performance or just validation for everything that I've already said up until this point? Um, because he's still really good. I just feel bad for Matt Real because he is such a promising young talent. But my gosh. <laughs> Kai Wagner. It's... I mean, it's the same thing with our center backs, though. Like, as of right now, how is Mark McKenzie going to get in over Jack Elliott unless it's squad rotation? Yeah, and, like, that's the thing we were kind of, you know, those union fans were saying, screw playing the academy kids. Let's get kids who can, let's get players who can actually play at those positions. Well, I mean, we're finding these young talents that are playing well at these positions, and as high as we've been on the homegrown talent, it's getting really tough to uh, choose them over these other options because it's it's consistent, good, few mistakes, something reliable you can go off of, and it has longevity. It does. Oh, a thousand percent. And it's the crazy thing about it is is you know, there is a part of you that sees the academy and you're like, you built these kids, like you, you raised them almost and you want them to succeed, especially since a lot of these kids are from our area. And like Austin's doing a fantastic job and Arison played his tail off towards the end of that game last night. So you see it, but in some moments you're like, you're looking at him, McKenzie and McKenzie can start with almost any center backs in this league. But the way you're right, the way you're saying it is 100% correct. How do you sit Jack Elliott? Because on top of what he brings to the table, his height and those mm. and that wingspan and that ability to get in front of people, you can't you can't teach that, you can't coach that. It's hard to leave that on the bench for an option who is as talented as anyone in the world, but doesn't necessarily give you that one or two physical gifts that Elliot yeah. does. Yeah. And it's it's really incredible. I mean, it's a fantastic problem to have because moments like this happen where you need to go into your bag and you got to go get a couple of kids off the bench and say, yeah, you're in. This is you today. You know, and then that I, there's going to be moments where, and not just like the Open Cup, you know, where we're going to have two or three games in an eight-day uh, period, and then Mackenzie's going to get his run, and then he's going to do something, and we're all going to sit around and be like, "Well, maybe we shouldn't keep <laughs> him. You know, maybe he still should be in the game." And I mean, for a team that has suffered with death issues in the past, especially up top, this is a really nice thing. Honestly, it's a really nice thing to have right now, and I really hope they can keep that locker room together because if they can, and they, and they all seem to really like each other. They can keep that locker room together with that much talent, like possible talent there. That'd be a nice thing to have all season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I just like you look at RSL last night, and I think RSL started six homegrown players last night, which is crazy. Um, but I mean, you look at the, I mean, you look at even the union lineup last night, and now it's not homegrown players, but you're looking at Ray Gaddis, a draft pick. You're looking at Jack Elliott, a draft pick. You're looking at. Um, uh, Trusty, who is a homegrown. You're looking at Aronson, who's a homegrown. Like, and then Mbizo gets on the field, Fontana gets on the field. So, like, you're looking at these guys who, and then you look at somebody like Wagner, who's 23, I think, um, 22. Um, Cornell's 23. So, you're looking at these guys who, like, are, are showing up at younger and younger ages, um, who I think bodes well uh, for the union moving forward. But I thought MLS was a retirement league. Only if you're a big team. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. Only if you're a team who spends money. What's fun? What's fun to see about how Tanner's running this club is that they're not the marquee DPs that you want. But when you got guys who are playing at a high level like David Akam and you get Marco Fabian included into this rotation with a young player like Brendan Aronson, potentially both of them in the midfield, this is a team that has a lot to offer going down the line. 
because they're not just going to be a one and done. You know, their core is built around the fact that they have sustainable pieces that were built in this system and want to succeed for this system. And it's a great thing to see, and I think it's a reason why so many people have been patient with it and have held their ground on that matter because say what you will about Ernie Stewart, but having that academy in place really did set this team up to have a sustainable future at a high level and you sprinkle in a few dollars there and you've got the pieces that bring it all together. For sure. For sure. I had a conversation uh, with one of my members of my girlfriend's family. Uh, she's from Italy. And I was trying to explain kind of some of the ins and outs of MLS and he asked, he asked me like, so... Like you, because of the, he knew about college sports and all that, and he knew how important that was to development. But he was just like, by the time a college kid makes it to the pros, like if he's 20, 22 years old, it's just like, well, that's a little bit behind the curve already, you know. So he's like, yeah. well, how do you develop? And it's just like, well, the you like my particular club, the union, have decided we're going to go through the academy and we're going to go into our backyard and see what we can dig up and see if we can, you know, bring some of these guys in and. He was like, well, that's how everyone does it. Like, that's how we've been doing it over here for forever. Like, you know, like all of our kids get scooped up at eight years old, and they're like, you're playing for Palermo until we decide you're not playing for Palermo. We sell you to another team. But it's just like, I, for the union to kind of embrace that kind of strategy, you know, I love Philadelphia. It might not be the sexiest destination for, you know, soccer talent internationally, especially when you have, like, the Punxsutawney Coast and other places is option to play your soccer, even if it's a second division, you know. Uh, but a great way to build this team, I've always thought, is through the youth, through that academy, and to see the fruits of a lot of his labor, even if not all of them are on the field right now. But just to know that that kind of talent has come through the pipeline already in the early stages of the academy is really nice. It's really cool to see. Yeah, the homegrown for homegrown substitution um, yesterday was really nice. Yeah, right. That's dope. Yeah, like, and it worked. Right, it so worked one too. One really young number ten for another young number ten. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and I think um, I was just thinking, like, too, like, and our that area is like such a hotbed of soccer talent, too. Um, you know, there are people all over the MLS who came out of Reading and, and Penn Classics and, and all the teams, all the good youth programs around there. So, like, the union have to be able to find people on a consistent basis, and it seems like now they already are. So, I think that's, that's really, it bodes well for, for what the union want to do down the road um, and how they want to play moving forward. So, I think that's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Before we give out our golden consensus, because I I don't want to give that out too quickly tonight, because they're let's have an overwhelmingly positive podcast. Who was? Who but wait, was, no, that's I impossible. Mean, We're a Philadelphia-based podcast. It can't be okay, overwhelmingly okay. positive. That's what I was trying to do. We're gonna be we're gonna be different. We're gonna be different. Um, so who was your? So I know the obvious answer is a com. A com was the MVP last night. <laughs> non David Acom answer. Yes. Who is your who is your non David Acom MVP of last night's game? Mm. David Acom. Damn it. No. This is hard. Oh. I've gotta give it to Harris. That's fair. Uh, yes. Because on both ends of the pitch, he was so, so good. Um, ended up getting the secondary assist on Akam's first goal. Um, puts in a massive defensive shift at the base of, of the midfield when none of the other midfielders outside of Aronson are really doing much of anything. Um, so... Just for that reason, I've got to give it to him. I'll give it to the fast German guy who plays defense. Uh, doesn't even need to be named anymore. Simply incredible shift. There was 
one there was one instance where I thought he was going to get beat on that double turnaround that I sent you guys today. But it's insane his his distance that he keeps on these runs where he's getting turned around. He's running into what can only be described as the perfect space as a defender. I played defense most of my life. And my coach is telling me, you don't always need to have eyes on this guy, okay? If you have an idea of where he's running at and you keep that space in front of you to a point where he's not creating separation, you can still make a play on the ball. And I'm telling you, Kai, Kai Wagner had his head on a swivel on that play, did not get disoriented on it, and was able to put in a perfect slide tackle on the edge of the box that most guys either mess up completely or they just get beaten in general. Um, and then to assist on that set, um, on that El Sino goal where he literally takes a guy down, the ball is simply bobbling around there and for him to just spin out of it with it and take it all the way to the baseline, like inside the 18, it's, it's unreal. We, we found this guy in the 74th division of Germany and... <laughs> I'm glad you talked about that. I, I'm glad you talked about that double turnaround moment because I noticed that moment, and it was the moment that even at my house, I stood up and clapped for Wagner at that point. I was like, "Let's go!" Um, and I was just like, "I was." I'm glad that you saw it because I was like, "I don't know if anybody else saw that." Like, oh, I don't we know if we all we saw, all saw that. that. Like, but that was like that was incredible. I was like, "How did he keep up with that guy and get turned around twice and still make?" Yeah, that in that situation, you're either beat. Or you're about to foul the hell out of someone. And he did yeah. neither. Yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. Adam, as someone who was shouting the most for people, <laughs> who was screaming the loudest for anyone on that field, yeah. who was your MVP besides the incredible striker, David Akam? I mean, I mean, the David Akam thing is obvious. Uh, I would give a secondary <laughs> over to Jimmy Curtin. Because, I, I mean, look, man, that's that a that's a Herculean performance by a coach right there. I mean, I don't – I know we, we – everyone gets <laughs> on Jim. I get on Jim. That, to have that kind of scenario and to get that type of result against a not bad uh, Columbus crew, even with all of their issues, uh, even with all of their absentees, uh, I think that's fantastic. But – if I have to give it to someone who actually physically kicks the ball, um, I'm going to give it to Trusty. I thought in the back four, he was, as the from what I saw, because as you know, I see very little, but from what I did see and from the oohs and ahs I did hear, uh, his clearances, especially when a bunch of those balls got to the box, and he just sent those straight out. Um, he's been an international-level CB Honestly, and I, I've really, really enjoyed watching that young man play his position because no matter what sport it is for me, basketball, baseball, you know, football, I love defense. I'm <laughs> a huge defense guy because scoring is cool, but there is nothing more fun than denying scoring opportunities, you know, yeah. when someone believes they have it and you're just like, no, you don't. People work their whole lives for those glorious offensive moments, and for you to just be like, <laughs> "Not while I'm on the field." It's a nice. It's a really nice. Played for eight years and only scored three goals in his entire soccer career. The person who played chunk of that time too. You don't. If I don't get happiness, you don't get happiness. So denial. I also went too. So I was all about. Yeah, I um, I I would agree. I, there's not a player I could come up with other than, but I think you know between between the back line and Harris and Fafa. I mean, I feel like you're looking at some really good performances last night. Uh, if I had to pick one player, it'd be Wagner or Trusty. I think both of them had fantastic games. Um, I thought Fafa put in a really good shift as well. So I think. It's pretty incredible that we go from a couple weeks ago wanting to torch everybody on the field to this week we're like overwhelmingly positive. It's been but, baby steps but our each game. brand permits us to pick one individual. <laughs> yes. But we can't go without our segment of the Golden Contesos. So I'm going to put it out there too. If you had to pick somebody who didn't put in a good shift or put in the weakest shift on the field last night, who are you choosing? 
Not necessarily saying you'd win the award, but you would certainly sway me to nominate you for the award. Il Signo? <laughs> is, that, is that where I'm going with that? Like, Up until his goal, I would have been right there. And I'm still really right there based on everything else he did in that game. That's what I'm saying. Like, the goal was nice, but it was also like a deflection, and it was like he was coming across it. And it was like, you get the credit for scoring the goal, but you were, del- I think he was delightfully, and I mean this really, like, every word delightfully pedestrian for the rest of the game for me and I was just like okay you know and I mean this is basically who was the most mediocre it was like who wasn't bad it was just who was the most mediocre last night and like it's either him or maybe Bedoya and even I don't feel good about saying those words you know it's like it's weird the the um I I would compare Il Signo and his position right now on the thing on the uh team to that of uh, Marwan Fellaini and Manchester United. I feel like a lot of people no, were Fellaini were, actually had a role. No, but but I feel like so many people were fed up with seeing him in every lineup, and then he would score a goal, and it's just like you hate to see it. You want it to be someone who actually has a real future. <laughs> with with an organization, and then he gets sold, and everyone forgets about everything he did. You don't want to see stepovers from a thirty three year old that ended nothing. You you know you're never going to be able to forget El Sino's place in Union history because he's had so many worldies and so many like unreal moments and stuff. But you just don't like seeing him in these lineups because you know he has so little to offer and you know the goal was a good take good it was a well taken shot he had a nice crossover where he literally did i want to say like nine or ten step overs and finally got the defender to bite on him and he got free and i'm like here it is this is this is the moment and he passes it immediately to a defender uh what else should i expect you know, from a 33-year-old <laughs> trying to keep up with a high high work rate midfield. But, um, Chuck, I think you'll agree. I would give it to Alejandro Bedoya, and I would like for you to jump on that. Don't don't lead his answer at all. Oh, my God. But I well, know you want to say Bedoya is at least, like, he's my – primary answer because I have a primary and secondary answer to this um, again it's a game where where was Bedoya like I understand like El Seno at this point is what he is but Bedoya is supposed to be a proper box to box midfielder who can contribute on both the offensive and defensive end and so far this season I haven't seen him contributing much of anything. Um, in the first game, he was overcompensating on defense, and I can give him that. But um, both he and Elsinho together left Aronson out to dry. Like, he was coming back almost to the back line himself to be able to pick up balls because none of the midfielders were getting to him. And... That's the type of stuff that Bedoya needs to be doing, especially, again, even though he's not, like, a highly paid deep designated player, he's still a DP. Like, and he's just not doing enough. Um, my secondary answer is just MLS playing games during the international break as a whole because no team should have to play a game with this few players due to the fact that it's just because well we're just not going to be like the rest of the world and we're going to play games now but like our we're all in CONCACAF Nations League stuff U23 call-ups U20 call-ups like what are we supposed to do like not produce players for national teams it's not even we're going against the status quo of soccer as a whole across the world, 
We're going against our own country in general. Like, look at the four other major sports. When, when they get called up for, obviously there's no international things, but like all-star breaks and things along those nature, they're not playing any games. They want all the stars available for people to watch on television. And it's bad enough that some of these lower market teams are putting out scrap squads. Like, look at look at New England today. They got absolutely destroyed. And they didn't have... Well, that's more down in New England being really bad, but... But but still, you know, when they're, when these teams are hindered like this, and they're not able to even put out their best squad forward, and you're expecting 15,000 people to show up to these games, it's not going to happen. And... MLS needs to seriously take a look at that, at the level of competition that's being put out there. Granted, the Union put in a great performance yesterday, but it it wasn't a game that people were going to be hooked on the entire 90 minutes. It was pretty broken open at one point and clear who the better team was in that game. And that was the instance across MLS, except for Walker Zimmerman producing another worldie for LAFC. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me I would I would have to agree with your primary there, Chuck. I like I just I look at Bedoya and I look at I look at the player that I specifically look at and compare him to and I try I don't know why it's him because they play different ish positions, but I look at Michael Bradley and I look at the way that TFC relies on Michael Bradley to make things happen in their midfield. We can't do that with Bedoya. And they are the same age. Like they're like they they were in the US program together. They were at the same World Cups. They have been through the same stuff together on the international stage. And you look at the way that we have to almost last night the way we played around Bedoya. Like it was like Harris to the front line, Harris to somebody and it's like we have to be able to if we're going to pay Bedoya the money we're paying him. And the, the way that we're getting players now, and Wagner and some of these signings that we've talked about, who we're not even paying that much, but they're putting in performances that are crazy. Like, we have to be able to get those types of performance out of Bedoya, too. And we have just not seen that this season yet. And I don't I don't like giving Bedoya the amount of money we're giving him for, this, for the performances that he's put in. There are some players whose names you should never heard call, and that's a good thing in games. We should be hearing more of Alejandro Bedoya. He needs to be offering more because his spot, I'll say it again, like I said last week, he's not guaranteed, man. we got a couple midfielders that are coming up and could easily be taking minutes from him if he's not putting in the performances that he's being asked to put in at the kind of salary he's being paid. This is it. If he ever had adversity in his career, it's now as someone who's supposed to be Yeah the face of this Philadelphia Union team. Yes, until until we can talk about Brendan Aronson as the face of this team. As the young, beautiful face of this team, the wonder boy. It, it, is, it is so fun watching this kid just roam out there like a grown-ass man playing that midfield position. And I'm just like, he's a teenager by the way like that is that is a youth that is someone's child running out there playing professional soccer right now and doing it at a really nice level and it's like obviously a talent and the amount of money that you're sending the way of a Marco Fabian he's when he comes back that's he's going back to that spot you know but him Harrison has a quick trigger replacement for basically almost anyone in that midfield, I'm not sure how much his defense is, but I definitely can see us with that kind of speed putting him out on the wing, spelling whomever they want to put out there. Because if they're going to keep giving me El Sino outright, and we can have a conversation about everything outright too. Like, I'm yep. like, like, Jesus, like that's that's something where, like, hell, if you're going to have Bedoya and you're going to play him out left, you're not even going to play him in the middle or the right side, you're going to play him on the left side. I'm like, I have questions about what you're trying to do with that midfield because. I mean, we all have that problem if we've ever played video games where we have a lot of talent that all kind of virtually play the same position and we just want to stuff them all in and just kind of be like, this will work. You know, we'll just cram this lineup together and somehow they'll 
make a thing. And you like, that's what I think ultimately Jim's like all of these people by themselves are really good at the game of soccer. Maybe if I just kind of put them together, kaboom. And it's just like, not quite, you know, not, not quite. it's not terrible, but it's just not quite what you would think a combination of like 120 years of soccer on the field at one given time would be, you know, <laughs> you're right. You're right. All right. So I think we'll, we'll settle on Bedoya for now. Not that, not that. No, I officially yeah, nom- I, I nominate I, Bedoya. I, I, I think he was the clear and away winner here. Bedoya. Who seconds the Bedoya nomination? I. Oh, okay, I'll go with Bedoya. I, I, and I only, but I'll give it to Bedoya only because Osinio scored. And guess what? Yeah, Next yeah. week, Bedoya's going to score a goal because we're going to send him this award, and he's going to be pissed as hell. He's going to be real mad. Enough so uh, to make an Instagram right. post about it and say, fuck this trophy. I'm going to show you <laughs> I mean, that's what Ray Gaddis has done so far this season. So I mean, damn. The Kinsei's house got well, powers, man. So, Ali, take this as a respectful wake up. Yeah, I was going to say, we also took the time to tell Ray Gaddis we loved him as well uh, while giving him these, this award. I, I don't think Ali wants the sugar-coated. He, does he sugarcoat anything? Ever in his professional career, he has been the most blunt individual of all time. I'll be blunt with him. Take this award and put it in your locker and look at it every time you step on the training pitch and show me, show me that you and, deserve and, and, to and not have this, this is award. So Paul is no longer allowed in the locker room. This is how he got banned. You. Give me your rocker. You show me this award. You sit there, you aging midfielder, and you embrace it. No, I. But you think I wholeheartedly agree with the man. That's the fun part about it. <laughs> I would like for this to be a motivating thing because here's the thing. And what frustrated me about union teams in the past, if I could just anecdotally say this real quick, was you know when you had talent like Maurice to do, and then you're just you lose him for almost a season and a half because of freak injuries. And you have a Barnetta, and you have a Nagara. You've always, you, like, the Union have gotten talent before. Like, you can throw that the terrible goalkeeper, and that one time you got a Risquieta out the window. But they've hit on a lot of guys just for one reason or another. It didn't all come together. It would be really nice for that to actually work this time around and bringing all these pieces of talent together because. Like, truth be told, we might not have known any of these humans outside of Marco Fabian before they showed up, but Tanner went out and got humans. Like, he did not Mm. sit on his hands at all. He went out and, you know, he didn't spend, like, Philly's money. Like, he wasn't out here going after whales, but he definitely filled some voids that we were having with some people who look halfway decent. I still want to see more of Santos before I really make the judgment on him. But the other dudes he's brought in so far, I mean, I've enjoyed. Yeah. I think, it, it, for me, and I, like, like you said, Chuck, we did we did go on and on about Gaddis. I, I do like Bedoya, and I do, like, there's something about as stupid as what, as stupid as that stupid game in Atlanta last year was, and that stupid red card for screaming at the refs and all that kind of stuff. I like I love the passion and I love the way that he seems to protect the team well as he interacts with refs and I think like he is a he is a leader and he seems to be a leader in the locker room and he see he has the veteran presence that he can um he can lead this team well. I just want to see it on the soccer field too. Like I don't I don't want him to be the clubhouse leader and be the person who's like being the rah rah or whatever like the the passion person i want him to actually play soccer really really well too um and so i think that that's where i'm like i i see his presence on the field and i like it but i want his dribbling passing everything else to match the leadership he seems to show on the field as well so we'll we'll give it to him but we'll hope that it is like you said it, it's a it's a motivating factor um so we love I you talk about... we just want you to play well that's all. Exactly. That's all. We're not. We're not mad. We're just disappointed. 
That's um, oh, <laughs> the sting. <laughs> um, so let's let's talk about this lineup a little bit because I think there was a tweet that was put out that I think referenced the same sort of conundrum that we experienced last night is going to happen again in about three months. So let's talk about that. So we're looking at a gold cup where Burke and Blake, I mean, are probably locks for that Jamaica squad. Guyana qualified, so we're looking at Craval probably being gone after going 23 minutes with Guyana. Um, you're looking at Real and McKenzie probably with the um, U.S. under-23s at their World Cup this summer. Uh, you're looking at potentially Marco Fabian for the Mexico squad, maybe. I don't know. Mexico, who knows? Um, so... What do we do? I mean, like, I think it's I think it's an interesting conundrum to look at and think, how do how are we going to approach this over the summer? Uh, that being said, Sergio Santos is out injured, and David Akam might be back. We'll, we'll see. see. No, David Akam um, is back. He was very clear on. No, I'm ki- I'm kidding with you. No, I'm I'm not going to take these one game samples and <laughs> but, no, no, no. run with them to the bank. <laughs> But, so I think we're just looking at, I mean, you, you've got a couple players that are going to come back, potentially, so I think some of that is, some of that is negated, but I think it's still an interesting thing to look at, to see, like, what, what do you do with this squad moving forward, and are we gonna, are we comfortable with this? I mean, honestly, do you, do you refuse to let some of them leave? No. I mean, can you? You, can you tell any of these like because here's the thing we threat I mean everyone Joe or the rumor was that the union were the ones who said no we don't want McKenzie to go to the one U20 World Cup or the U20 tournament so I'm like can't Ernest just be like look you're gonna these tournaments are going to literally decimate my club you know and because it's going to do that you're going to lose a good chunk of not only your talent but your depth and I'm not exactly sure how the contracts work with Bethlehem Steel, but I don't believe we have enough of those under us to, you know, fill out these rosters in a way that's like MLS quality. And it's it's really kind of it's frustrating as a union fan, but like as a fan of the US, you want to see these guys get there and all that. That's good for the brand. But, you know, especially if the union are doing well, can you let all of them go? By that point, everyone for one, everyone should be healthy. So we shouldn't have a position where we don't have a backup striker on the bench. Um, lo- I mean, looking at the midfield, hopefully this whole visa international spot green card situation will be um, sorted out with Montiero. So that's, again, another body coming in in the midfield. I don't really think Marco Fabian gets called up. When was his actual last call up for Mexico? Because it's been a bit for him. Basically, I think since he went to Germany. It has been a good chunk of time, and I feel as though they. Mexico does have options there, very young options that they could really go with. And if Mexico were to come calling, I don't think it'd be taboo for. Turn Tanner to be like, come on, you don't you don't need him right now. You're not taking him from us, especially because we're trying to you're trying to acclimate him to a new system, a new team. You've signed him to a what is it two year contract with a third year option. It's like, like yeah, you're you're killing a squad at this point if you're taking him out of it because let's face it, you know as good as Brendan Aronson's been. You've got to find a way for them both to coexist or mostly for Fabian to exist on that field because when he's good, he's as good as anyone in this league. But when I look at the absences that are going to be um, that are going to occur during the union schedule, I believe the Gold Cup is from June 15th to about July 7th. Um, that's a span of about three or four games where the union are facing... The Revolution, New York City, and then Orlando City twice. You know, not necessarily the most daunting of opponents, but you need to have depth in those games because 
you know, they're not pushovers. And I don't think I'm as concerned about the U-20 World Cup because, quite frankly, like we were talking about earlier, our two USA options that have been coming up through our academy have pretty much been afterthoughts in this roster, in this first-team roster, in Matt Real and Mark McKenzie. I, I just don't see them as legitimate, vital depth options if you're going into these kinds of matchups with these kinds of teams. So... I don't see it as too much of an issue because, like I said, when Montero gets cleared up and when Fabian's returned and when Santos is healthy, you're looking at a pretty solid squad that's able to go forward, especially in a summer that won't test you too much, as as has been the opposite in years past with the Philadelphia Union. Your might still be looking for their first win by then, so, you know. Yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird season so far. It's a, it's a very, very weird definition season. of a weird season. Like, watching, and then watching Cincinnati come in and just like, oh no, we can do this thing too, it's fine. You know, we're ready for MLS, we've been ready for MLS. What did, what did you guys think was difficult? Yeah, if there's anything Philadelphia has to worry about, it's the next month. You know, even with all their guys, it's going to be tough, because this Cincinnati team knows how to play. And the way Jim Curtin goes at them, the Cincinnati team next week in their stadium, I, I'm well, I'm comparing Cincinnati's atmosphere at home to that of when Atlanta opened up their stadium and the people thing. were shell shocked. He, he, he can't go at them because that's when Cincinnati's going to hurt you. That yeah no you're absolutely right it's this is going to be one of the tougher matchups I think the Union have to face this entire season. Because it's a prod- it's a squad that you don't have a lot of film on to work with. It's going to be really hard to prepare for them, and they have ballers on that team. You know, they'll they'll hurt you big time. So they got to be compact. They got to be sharp. These mistakes that have happened against Sporting Kansas City and Atlanta, it it just can't be the case when you're going up against the Cincinnati team because. They've done it against some pretty good squads so far this season. It's not going to be easy by any stretch. I do have two major thoughts on that, though. One thought, um, hey, this is like a hypothetical. Maybe you gentlemen can do this on another show. I kind of sometimes wonder what the union would look like if they came in on MLS 3.0 as opposed to 2.0. Like if, mm. if, if they came in in this era where everyone has to bring it, like, when they came in in 2010, MLS was still, like, you didn't really have to come hard with, like, your stadium being yep. big and your fan base already established and all that. But, like, when it, like Atlanta, L.A., and Cincinnati have come in here, and they're, and even Orlando, when they came in, they're just like, no, 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 no we're, we're kicking the doors in when we show up. So I think that would be interesting to see. And secondly, who scheduled the union to have three members of the Champions League to start their season? Like, what kind of crap was that? They were just like, no, here you go. You get Toronto, Kansas City, and Atlanta out in the shoot. Here you go. That's how you're going to start your season. And we're going to back-end Red Bull for you eventually. It's going to be fun for you. It's the same people who decided the day before a game in Columbus that they're going to give Marco Fabian an additional game suspension, plus a fine for just being such a naughty boy. Those people have a name because that goes directly to um, Don Garber's office. Did it, like, I want to be in the room that moment where they were like, oh, shit, we forgot. Oh, man, we were supposed to suspend him. Well, um, well, just do it, just do it. Run, run, the, run to the back machine, hit the button. He, he can't play. The one thing I will say is I completely thought, apparently it's not the case, but that a straight red card during a game automatically meant a two-game suspension, which is why I automatically assumed that Marco Fe- Fabian was suspended, but it's completely ridiculous that we had to go through this entire, well, is he or isn't he, for an entire week. You almost can't blame the, uh, you almost can't blame the social media team for tweeting that out because we didn't even know there was no official word. I was like, I, I don't know what to do with myself here. Do I include them in the conversation or not? The highlight of the game yesterday, and I think you gentlemen may have missed this, but uh, Tanner came to the Sons of Ben 
before the game and had a little powwow with all of us. Get out. Like, at first, it was, like, him being like, thank you, God. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Your support's been great. And then, like, as honest as any GM or, like, leader of men in the city has been, he's just like, I know we've had some tough years, but, you know, we're definitely trying to get it together. It takes some time to gel. You know, the switch isn't just overnight. And we were all like, yeah, that's accurate. You know, we all get that. And then he goes into, like, a 10-minute rant about how Fabian getting suspended is BS. And it was, we were all was like, we didn't need or want this, but this is amazing. Give us all, like, oh, That is such this tremendous is content. Right like, with his, awesome. with his delightful accent, he was just like, in so many words, this is the ultimate level of bullshit. This would nowhere in Europe would they ever do crap like this. And we were like, yeah! I'm glad we're disrupting the the structure of soccer as a whole, where European people are looking at our game and going, "What the hell is MLS doing?" Oh, that that's my favorite thing about everything Tanner's done since he's come in here, because he very clearly has learned every rule of MLS very quickly, and then it's just been like, "What in the fuck is this league doing?" Well. <laughs> Last night on the last night on the broadcast um, on the ESPN Plus broadcast, and I, I I have a bone to pick with ESPN Plus because they always give me the away announcers, or they always give me the home announcers, except for when the Union are home. So I had to listen to the stupid Columbus Crew. Oh, announcer yeah, they team. were so bad. BS, BS. But they they said something about they were talking about Tanner, and they said something like, "I don't want to say that what Tanner has done has been unprecedented because lots of teams will follow him." And I'm like, that's that what means an it's unprecedented move. That's <laughs> called trailblazing, you fools. I'm like, that's what a that's what an unprecedented move is. Is you do something and then a bunch of other teams follow you. We like, can oh, do that. <laughs> oh, let's do what that guy's doing. Just be like, no, no, no. Literally, uh, that's uh, the definition of the word, sir. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I, I. I I think I, I think I did tweet them, and I think I tweeted those announcers directly too. I like, I don't remember if it was about that or something else they said, but I like tweeted them directly. I was like, "Come on, guys! Like seriously," but they haven't they responded have to, to my announcers in Columbus, Ohio. That's it. That's, exactly. that's tough. That's exactly. Tough. exactly. And they're not doing Ohio State, so that's tough. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, uh, so. Union have a couple games coming up. Obviously, Cincinnati, Dallas, and uh, the Galaxy are coming up in the next couple weeks. So, lots of big games coming up. Any any other big takeaways that we need to talk about before we wrap up tonight? I think we're we're hitting our longest episode record here, uh, four episodes in. But lots to talk about. Obviously, I feel so honored. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you've been great tonight. I just want to talk to you so much, Adam. There's so. <laughs> So many words. I, think, I honestly think my voice has hopefully improved as this podcast has gone on. Because, but yeah, it, it's been a blast, gentlemen. I've had a lot of fun. For those people listening after the fact, Adam is simply whispering into his microphone now. And our incredible <laughs> editing has brought his voice to life. He just has the input up really, really loud. <laughs> these, these AirPods are just so good, let me tell you. All right. Well, we'll have to we'll have to have you back on, Adam. Once uh, once your voice is better, and maybe at a week in this season where we can talk to you more in depth about the Suns' abandoned stuff. Oh, of course, I would love to. Obviously, it's uh, love to talk about the the hoodlums I hang out with during the game. Well, awesome guys. Well, that's about it tonight. Uh, we love that you're listening, and thanks for thanks for all of you guys who have been downloading and and uh, listening and interacting with our uh, Twitter Twitter handle and everything else. So. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supply to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Go over to bgn.fm where we're located. Check us out. Check out the rest of the podcasts that are located there. Lots of stuff. Uh, MLS, USL, uh, crazy amounts of podcasts over there. So if you need a new podcast to listen to, go check us out over there. Let us know on Twitter, at uh, VTFB, v- VFTB. Wow, VFTV pod. <laughs> that that's it. V. Uh, <laughs> it's totally views from the bridge. So VFTB pod. 
uh, on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we need to do something different. If you want a segment included or something that we're not doing yet, uh, let us know. We're still we're still learning and growing, but uh, let us know. Head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a review. Um, for reviews from the Bridge Cast, Chuck Booth, Cat Junior, and our special guest Adam Booth, we will talk to you Wait. later. Before the credits roll, I st- do have one closing thought that at this point in the season Jim Curtin is at least earned until the summer and we need to stop moving the goalpost on his job and mic drop and mic drop there we go